Welcome to Game Changer, where you get the inside track to win in a decade of disruption. Winning together is how we're going to thrive. So be sure to subscribe here on YouTube and also at bwbtv.net for notifications. Our guest today, Lynn Thomas, is a tax attorney turned consultant and the CEO of Thomas Consulting. She finds innovative and novel ways to create fiercely loyal clients and employees. As employees uncover their untapped potential, they become deeply engaged and excel at delighting customers. Consequently, these businesses achieve higher levels of profit, growth, and retention. She's also the author of the Amazon number one bestseller, Wow, Your Way to Profit. Well, welcome, Lynn. It's just so awesome to have you on the show today. I'm delighted to be here, Carmen. Thanks for asking me. And you're looking beautiful, and I love those pearls. <laughs> Thank you. Lynn, you love making work fun and getting jazzed up about things. I love that word that you use, jazzed. So that's Lynn's word, jazzed up about things. What's the secret to this fun approach to life and work that you have, Lynn? Well, um, I trace it back to my father because he loved his work. And uh, when he would come home, many times he'd actually sort of be singing and dancing. You know, he was mm -hmm. he, he sang and dance anyway. But I remember him coming to the door and he'd be whistling or something. And so and as little kids on Saturday, sometimes we'd go into work and we'd get on the intercom. And it's pretty Amazing as little kids, you could talk on the intercom and you're out through the whole office. It's like, wow, that felt really cool. So for me, work was always fun and um, fun and challenging. And I think it's um, when it hasn't been in the past, um, I, that's why I changed careers. But I think I, I think it, I think um, it's sad um, and unfortunate if people have to work at a job that they really don't like or even they hate. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's just a mismatch there and that if there's some assessments or something can be done, like that person, there's, a, you know, um, Pixar has this assumption that in every employee, there's a slice of genius yeah. and it's up to Pixar to find it. So I take, I have my, my clients that there's a slice or two of genius, mm. each person and uh, to find it and then utilize it within the company. Um, because we all have a genius inside of us. We all have incredible abilities and, for myself, as you mentioned, I was a tax attorney with Arthur Anderson, and I left there, went to Bank of Boston as a private banker, and then was a change agent, and um, became disenchanted when there were 1,800 people going through this reorganization, and two people had had heart attacks and the stress. One died and one was on disability, so I'm thinking like, wow, this is not good. And um, I went to the head of the um, project and spoke to him, and I found a really great company. And I talked them down from 1,500 to 500, which I thought was really great. And I went in there and said, guess what? I found this company, XYZ, will come in and do a stress management program for everyone. Because, you know, two people have had a heart attack from the stress. And one's on disability and one's, you know, died. So mm -hmm. um, what about this program? And he said, no. And I said, no, no, it's 500 for everybody. And he said, wow. no. And I said, I'll pay for it. He said, no. <laughs> and I like. Turned around. I was stunned. I turned around and I remember the hairs standing up on the back of my neck, like, yuck, I don't want to work for this place. Mm -hmm. And so I resigned the next day 
Um, I did not plan ahead to what I was going to do. Um, it's just I knew at that point, there's just this level of who I am, my value is what's important. And if people are too st stressful, and you have two out of 1800 that have, uh, after six months, gone through um, a lot of stress, it's like something's wrong. And they're mm -hmm. not willing to look at it, face it at all. And that doesn't work for me. So I think fundamentally, um, I left not knowing what I was going to do. Um, but I knew I wanted to find a way that there could be a win-win-win. So employees can win, mm. clients can win, or customers and shareholders. And so there's more difficult conversations that they um, uh, involve and in being a bit uncomfortable. But when you can set um, a business up where everybody is winning, you will have employees work incredibly hard, be very creative, be very innovative, and delight clients and employees more than, um, did like clients and customers more than you ever imagined. So, um, and I've seen that happen when owners mm. or, or head of companies really care about their employees, they'll do anything for them, anything. Mm. And I never underestimate the power of a really engaged, passionate and innovative employee because they will um, regularly wow and delight you. And one amazing ethos to bring to a company, every company that you've, you've worked with, hundreds of, of companies, and bring that ethos in where there's a triple win. I mean, a lot of people talk about win-win. You, you bring in this triple win. Then maybe let's delve a little bit more into that because yeah, that's, that's really such a beautiful specialty of yours. How do you help clients set that up? Give us a little bit of a scenario or, or just, you know, some of your, 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 your magic in terms of how you set that up. And, and what's, what's the game changer aspect of, of what you do here um, that, that just makes it such a rewarding process for clients? I think the process, well, first of all, I only will work with companies if they care about their employees. So you generally care about them. And if they don't, that's okay. It's just not a company to work for. Is any company that's just going to treat employees as a cog in a machine, um, you know, because we went from the industrial revolution machines to humans and we just replaced machines with humans and hmm. you know they're human beings. So it's very different. And some companies are still trying to get as much as they can out of their employees. And um, especially through COVID, that doesn't work. And I think it's one of the reasons you're seeing this great resignation, great um, uh, discontentment. Um, so I go in and I will interview um, senior management, if there's a middle management, frontline employees, and the top clients. And I'll ask the same questions and I'll point out the gaps. And the gaps usually are largest between senior management or owners and um, the frontline and clients are very uh, similar in what their perceptions are. And so it's like, what, what's it going to take for the company to be able to deliver what your best clients want? If these are the 20% of your clients that are generating 80% of your revenue. I mean, you want to replicate and duplicate them. I mean, you they're the they're the fuel, they're the engine of your of your of your company. And they statistically over the next five years will bring you 80% of your business. So if it were up to me, I would have many, um, especially smaller businesses, really just focus on their A's, focus mm -hmm. on those 20%, because they will grow, they will give you referrals, they will buy more, mm -hmm. they're not as price sensitive. Let them be your sales ambassadors. Some people don't embrace that, don't want it, um, and that's okay. But what's in it for the employees? And if they're not willing to, you know, like if employees say, well, we need more training, which in this day and age they do in development. Um, and especially with the millennials and the Gen Zs, Carmen, 
you know, um, they're the ones everybody wants and they know they're, they're wanted. They know that they're technologically savvy, they're agile, they're resilient, and um, they will never, I've never seen a millennial say, I'm overwhelmed. You can pile things on their desk and they're like, I'll get to it. And they do. So they're the employees you want and they want to make a difference in the world. I mean, you look at a world, there's lots of problems and they want to be part of the solution. So if a company is not in some way allowing them to find some purpose or meaning in the work, they will leave. Mm -hmm. And some say, well, that's really challenging. It's like, well, talk to them about it. Maybe that's giving them, you know, an extra day off a month so they can do volunteer work. I mean, if they're a great employee, really productive, really good, what's that? I mean, that's very little to give. Um, maybe it's helping pay off some of their student loan debt rather than a 401k. Um, you know, you need to ask them what they want. There's not like a recipe I could give, say, this, yes. will, this, yes. will, every, this will take care of everyone. But, um, and, and what I'd say for people during this challenging period of COVID and um, if there's a post-COVID that, uh, you know, really connect with your employees, you know, ask them how they're doing. Like, how are they really doing? Because if they say fine, um, say, and, and underneath fine, what else? How's your family doing? How was mm -hmm. COVID for you? And be quiet and really listen. Be curious. You know, be really gen. I mean, that, that's the quality. If leaders are really curious about their employees, like what else could you bring to the table? You know, what other skills do you have that we're not utilizing that you want to you want to um, capitalize on or you want to develop? You know, if, you, if you're at some point, you're going to grow this job. What's your vision for your next job? Where do you want to be? Hmm. Because their concern when they saw the Great Recession COVID over, well, they have a job, you know, three, hmm. five, seven years now. Will they be employable? Now, nobody knows, but they want to be on the leading edge of what's ever technologically necessary to have their skills. So get in a conversation with that. Many of them want customized developmental plans and you better stick with them because mm -hmm. if you don't stick with them, uh, they value integrity, honesty, authenticity. And if you promise and don't come through, um, you know, they'll, they'll leave very quickly. Um, and I know some um, professors have said that they are the most innovative, transformational, um, uh, innovative, transformational, and um, uh, resilient group of people he's ever seen. He says, I have wow. a lot of faith in the future. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's, a, that's a, nice. That, that's an amazing yeah. statement. Someone from um, actually it was Wharton and then um, Harvard Business School, they said something very similar. So they said they're just, they're, um, they want to be challenged. They want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. So. Sure. Lynn, give us an, an idea of this kind of, some of the stats that you see. So when companies are, are embracing what you've just said, where they're listening, they're engaged, um, they understand what the employees want. Give us what the game changer outcomes is when a company gets that right. When you get this triple win right, how mm. different is that company? Um, it's human focused. Mm -hmm. So it's focused on the clients and the employees. Um, and what it looks like is, see, there's one thing about client retention is that it only takes, if you increase client retention just by 5%, it's not even your top clients, all clients, profits will go up guaranteed 25 to 95% over two to three years. Sure. It's a remaining company. You know, the reason I think most companies don't follow it is because there's no financials you can pinpoint. So they'll go to revenue and mm -hmm. then they'll go to gross sales 
But sales are so expensive. So why not focus on your current clients, expand the services they have, cross sales, ask for referrals. 31% of your best clients want to give you referrals. And from the proprietary research we've done, you don't ask. And if you don't ask, they're not going to bend over backwards to give them to you because that's not their job. If you ask, they will, they'll be happy to give. Some, some will not, and some you know, will do what works for them. But it's bringing the, having the employees at the, at the table, um, talking about what, what will make a difference. So when you get from the top clients what they really want, how are you going to be able to deliver it? Get the employees in and managers to have conversations about, okay, what are we going to change? How are we going to measure that change? Because I want things measured. You know, I'm a tax attorney by training. So bottom line is your bottom line has to go up. You know, I give 100 to 300% guaranteed return on investment within one year. And I've been doing that for 18 years and never have to give money back. So I know with changes will impact the bottom line. So, um, so for example, and then I do sometimes executive coaching. So there was one gentleman who was a, a young member of a senior management team. It was a company of about 75 people. And um, he wasn't, um, he was more introverted than the salespeople. And there were two or three salespeople at the table. And uh, he has a unique perspective being head of compliance and also the attorney. So the only one on staff. And he was telling me he was concerned about some of their um, actions. Maybe the SEC wouldn't like them. So I was doing coaching with all the different managers one-to-one. And um, he started to speak up. And I'll say this guy named Joe. Joe interrupted him. And he spoke up again and Joe interrupted him. He went quiet. So I always look at the dynamics going on. And afterwards, um, I said to him, yeah, can we chat? He said, oh, sure. And I said, why'd you go quiet? And he said, well, Joe interrupted me. I said, so that's what Joe does. I mean, Joe does that to everybody. I mean, it wasn't personal. He said, I don't like being interrupted. I said, get over it. <laughs> your, job, your job here is to be an, an attorney for this company in compliance. There's two issues you've told me. They may, they may uh, the SEC may have problems. That's something they need to hear about. So. You know, let's, you have to be able to stand up and have your voice. I want people to be big. You know, if anybody plays small in the role, everybody loses. Mm-hmm. So, he, so the confidence, I said, so he said, well, what can I do? I said, tell Joe, excuse me, Joe, stop. If Joe doesn't stop, say, stop and put your hand up. If that doesn't work, stand up and say, stop. It'll work. I promise you. <laughs> so he did at the following meeting and it worked. And now he's one of the most participatory members. But it was, I think sometimes we all need a little encouragement. Like mm. managers need to be able to encourage people if they see they're not responding or whatever. And sometimes they just can't see it because they're too close to it. But somebody like myself, I could see that he wasn't speaking up. He's very bright um, and he's, he's stellar. And mm. I just said, you know, that's your job. Get over it. And so we would rehearse a lot beforehand and after two or three times role-playing he was fine speaking up he said joe quiet just stop joe okay and <laughs> and that was great and then we, everybody would laugh and everybody else would imitate him with joe, joe stop now okay joe so you know so, i mean that's a small example so the employees then empowered to say what needs to be said the company stays on track everybody's hearing what needs to be heard but someone is not playing small because quote unquote they don't like to be interrupted i mean that's like, yes, you know, yes. so, I mean, that's a small example of just mm-hmm. how to have, you know, all employees, managers um, play big. And what I mean by mm-hmm. big is be thoroughly who they are, not be aggressive, 
not be passive because that doesn't work. This gentleman was being passive, uh, but be assertive and say, excuse me, I have something I have to say, but wait a moment. Okay. Thank you. And start speaking. Wait, I need to, I haven't finished, you know, and you make, you get your time. And I'll say to people running meetings, more introverted people are definitely don't speak up as much. So before a meeting is ended, make sure you ask everyone. Because in every meeting I am in, I always ask, oh, um, you know, Joe, we haven't heard from you. Sally, we haven't heard from you. And but I want everybody to have the opportunity to speak because not every it's not easy as easy for everyone to speak up. Mm-hmm. And when there's a lot of talking back and forth, which sometimes is very good, um, other people will just fade away and I want them to come back. So, mm-hmm. um, it, it, you know, you call it empowerment. You can call it an executive coaching, encouragement. But I think we all needed those little pushes like you can do this. Come on. You know, Absolutely. And, um, so that's as a small example, one really significant way um, that I was able to um, help the company and help this um, new um, person on, and the youngest man by far on the, on the management team. Mm. And then you say small, that it's the smallest things that have the, the most impact. And when you when you knit all those small things, you know, little tips and techniques you bring in together to an organization, that's what's going to get that result and the engagement. What is what is the stats showing in terms of higher engagement and and bottom line? So, do you have a, a stat? Yeah, there's. Um, well, I mean, there's. I think it's like uh, before the um, pandemic, there's something like I think sixty five percent of employees were not fully engaged, mm-hmm. and so it's even more now. And engagement does very strongly correlate with reta- employee retention, and employee mm-hmm. retention correlates with um, um, uh, customer retention. I mean, if employees, if every time you went to the dentist, there's a new hygienist. And even mm-hmm. if he or she was better after three or four, you'd say like, what's going on here? Like, why is it a new person? We, we like, we like familiarity. We like yes. the same. Uh, we're loyal by nature. So if employee, when employees leave, and usually the best employees will be the first to leave mm-hmm. if there's problems, because they're confident they can get jobs. And sometimes what's left behind are the people who are less talented. So if you can um, uh, um, d- delight employees, get them engaged, and you can ask them, how can I get you more engaged? How can I get you more passionate about this? What do, what do I need to offer you? Um, and be curious and listen. And as, as the engagement rises, the their ability to tap into their potential. I mean, on an average day, Carmen, we're using 2% of our brain. On a day, we really pump the ions 5%. I mean, we're not even touching, you know, Einstein, man of the century, 12% he used. So I don't know what the potential is for us, but I know we're not, we're not scraping, you know, our full potential. And that's why I have lots of, with my clients, when they come up with quote, a problem, I want them to have 20 solutions. And I got this from a friend of mine, Scott Jones, actually did invent voicemail. And every day he's, he sits down and, um, puts out his most pressing personal or financial problem and it comes up with 20 solutions. And I said to him, why 20? That's a lot. And he said, well, in the first five, everyone's going to think, even the first 10, everyone's going to think of. And he said, once I get to like 15 or higher, they're really pretty good. Like, you know, I, I'll take a little number three, number eight, number 11, I make 17. It's like, wow. You know, when I was at Arthur Anderson, I didn't think of myself as creative, but I started adop- adopting what Scott, Scott does and I do it only twice a week. And um, I'll sometimes push myself, push myself to get more than that. 
And it's amazing how creative I can be. And every single person can do that. So I invite all of your listeners to try it and for you to try it. And mostly happens around item 10. People are going to say, this is ridiculous. I mean, this is just <laughs> a stupid exercise. But push yourself. You know, we were never asked in school to come up with 20 solutions. There was one yeah. answer. Yeah. That's not life. That's definitely not life in the middle of this decade of disruption. You know, mm-hmm. it's constantly being disrupted. So I want my clients to have, if they come up with 20 solutions, maybe they wind up with five really good, well-analyzed, compared, verified, possible um, solutions to a pressing problem. Because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? You know, plan A may just mm-hmm. have to go out the door. And you, mm-hmm. then they're, they're fine. They got B, C, mm-hmm. D, and E. And um, so some say, like, I'm really demanding. No, I want you to be stellar. And I want you to be masters. Mm-hmm. I want you to be exquisite. And extraordinary what you do. I don't want people just to be average. If you want to be average, you can go work, do whatever you want with other people. I will expect high. I have high expectations because I know we have huge on top potential. Mm-hmm. Why not? And the more you get people to tap into some parts of them, they don't even know that were there because I didn't know this all creativity mm-hmm. was inside me. Um, the more passionate they'll get, the more excited, the more exuberant, the more joyful they'll be. And um you know, that's what keeps people going, moving forward um, and challenging. And they come up with new ideas. And you know, I think it, you know, innovation for some companies did suffer over mm-hmm. COVID being remote. And um, once an idea is generated, to go remote with it is fine. But usually the generation is through social capital mm-hmm. and people we sort of know on the periphery. So um, maybe having people into the office periodically for brainstorming and collaboration may be really wise or to keep, think of new ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, I I tell you, and most of the solutions back up to um, companies' problems, the frontline people and the customers know. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if, you, if, you, if you are courageous enough, ask your, ask your top customers, you know, seven to 10 of them, to be on an advisory council, a client advisory council, and ask mm-hmm. them what to do. They will help you more than anybody else because they want you guys to win because they love you. Mm-hmm. You never ask. What a fantastic ask. idea, then! Fantastic idea, and we, we've we've done that in in our consulting business, and it's it's mind blowing what you're saying on both sides. What employees come up with, and and and, and how honored they are to share <laughs> that you even ask them and then and clients as well um it, it's such a beautiful process to to include um, more people and like you say what they come up with is mind-blowing right um yeah. Lynn, let's let's go a little bit into the situation as it is because you've got such a really nice um uh, you know in-depth view of what's going on from an employee perspective and how companies have fared over this last 18 months Give us maybe from your from an insider perspective, how did employees actually do over this time where there was such a massive change, needing to go home, et cetera? How did they do? And on the other side, um, what have companies come up with um, to actually make this work? So if you could give us those sure. insights, please. I, I think... Um... A statistic I can give that I think speaks volumes is that 36% mm-hmm. of employees quit their job during COVID without having another job. Sure. So employers did not understand how difficult it was for many, for 36 the people who, who left work. Oh. Like they could not do it. 
So if you have a third of the workforce leaving without a job, which not many people can afford to do or want to do, mm. um, and during COVID, nobody knew when there'd be a job, but they could not handle it. I mean, it was the, the stress. Many of them was having kids home or parents home or multiple or just working at home and it never stopped. I mean, they didn't have the boundaries. You know, I've talked to them a lot about you have to set up the boundaries, the time. On average, people are working three hours more a day. Sure. And um, it just can sort of, you know, the, the boundary used to be when you when you went home, you were home. Now home mm-hmm. and work are mushed yeah. together and mm-hmm. there's no, they're not the boundaries. So they needed to be able to, so help your employees get the boundaries. Um, certain times they have to stop. Um, and and let them choose when they want to work. Uh, what has worked is to say is to talk to them, uh, staying connected with them. Hopefully um, during uh, COVID, you actually had real conversations. I say thirty minutes um, a week over Zoom or in person, if possible, um, to really connect. How are they doing underneath it? I mean, so what's going on with your family? And your mother, you said she had COVID and she recovered. How's she doing? Does she have any symptoms of the long haul? Is that, are they being addressed to your satisfaction? What can I do to help you? Mm. You know, and maybe what it is is you give them, you know, a month's worth of dinners for the family and just have it sent. You know, if they're complaining, like we don't have time to do X, Y, Z, or maybe a tutor goes and helps their kids with schoolwork so they don't need to do it. I mean, I don't know what you can offer, but there's lots of solutions to the problems. Um, and just ask them, you know, what can I do to help you? How can I make this easier for you? How can I get your attention focused on work? But I understand there's lots of other pressing issues and problems in your life, but I want to help you be successful. So what do you need from me? And be mm-hmm. quiet and listen. And if they don't say anything to say, can you at least tell me one thing I can do? Because I really want you to know I care about you and your family. If you genuinely do. And if you don't, don't say it because I think we've all had too much BS in our life and they'll see it yes. and you lose a lot of credibility. Yes. So genuinely really care and they'll tell you and say, what else? And and how about your kids? And you said you got a puppy? How, how's the trainer, <laughs> the puppy? I mean, I don't know what, you know, the, the dog is, you know, barking a lot or scared or too many people are home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't know what's going on. Um, so I say every person has had a unique experience in COVID. So mm-hmm. to get them re-engaged in work, or if they weren't engaged, to get them more engaged than they were even before that, it's 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 one-to-one. And you mm-hmm. can maybe, if you're a large company, do it by departments. But um, the most effective and what the millennials and Gen Zs want, they want customized for them. Mm-hmm. And there's companies out there that are willing to do it for them. And just and they want relational. You know, we they don't want transactional. Don't offer them, you know, $35,000 at a lot of high-tech companies did and they left because you just see, treat them as a transaction. You know, mm-hmm. what do they want as a human being? You know, we're human beings, we're not human doings, mm-hmm. you know, and we have been human doings for probably too long, in my opinion. Um, and when people are burnt out, the most they can work effectively is four hours a day. So if your True. people are burnt out, um, and that's why companies did let people go well, have a week's vacation you know, about two or three months ago, that was happening because people are burned out a lot and we never mm-hmm. been to this place. We never had our whole, you know, we all did something impossible. Like overnight we went remote, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. one of my clients was saying to me, Carmen, that if we were told we had to do that, we'd still be in the pilot stage. <laughs> we wouldn't know how to do it, but we have, <laughs> it's true. You know, because it's like, it's not perfect. It's like, yeah. well, we had to do it. We all figured out it was, it was a little clumsy, you know, not everybody got mm-hmm. the best internet connection and they had to maybe get, 
you know, even a, um, a camera, but mm. we figured it out. We all figured it out. So mm. we were all creative and we made it work. And so know that if your employees could do that and they all did and your company, there's a lot you could do that now you think, you think it's impossible. So go shoot for the moon. You know, it's like, mm. I have this theory that if you draw two concentric circles, a smaller one and a larger one, most of us live in the smaller one, which is the possible world. Mm. And what's possible? You know, is it possible to go remote overnight? Oh, no, come on. I mean, the whole world, no, 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 that can't happen. Well, we did that. So given we did that, what else is possible for your company? Like, take off the blinders, guys. If someone yes. said, it's not out of the box. There's no box. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, there's no box. We have no box. Make your future up or someone else will make it up for you. You know, yeah. it's like, what do you want your, what do you want your business to be doing? And helping the world, the people, its customers, its employees, its stakeholders, in the communities you are. What, how can you help them? Um, and I would say what, what, what the employees that I've, or the companies I've worked with, employees that have really embraced this, it's when they finally were heard and they were asked for input. They want to have input on products and service. They have ideas, guys. They're not even in their department. They want to be heard. So, you know, an employee council, great idea. Get the employees and customers councils together, and oh my gosh, just when you when the door when they're done, you're going to be blown away what they come up with, because it'll be fantastic. But don't just put them in their little like oh this person is just doing as a system analyst. Maybe that's their skill set, but they noticing things around. They they mm -hmm. talk to people. They know what's working, not working. They use the products and services. They work with the customers. They know where the problems are. But if you don't ask them or you don't give them a voice at the table, you're missing out on huge experiences and huge sure. knowledge. And that's where I tap into. I mean, that's, I always say, yeah. let me just talk to your top clients and your frontline employees. And 90% of the time, you know, I have to probe under the initial response. Mm -hmm. Cause they'll mm -hmm. say, you know, something like, um, well, they're very professional. This actually happened with me at Bank of Boston, private banking. We had a survey back where they said um, we had to be more professional. And I interpreted that to be being out of the client's place of business. My colleague, Carol did the opposite and said, it's, oh, oh it, we're available when they call. I said, oh, and Carol, and Carl changed his ties from a small print to big print. So we were at a meeting. I said, Carl, gosh, you, you really changed your ties. He said, well, the survey said we had to be more professional. And I said, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah, it did. But how, what does that do? He says, you have to look like you're current. You're with it. You're not like outdated. I said, oh, okay. Well, I didn't think that. I thought it meant being out of the client. Carol said, I thought it meant being here. We looked at each other and said, they didn't tell us. So for me, I've yeah. always, when someone says professional, I say, well, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. you know, like, because I don't know what that means. Um, and someone says, oh, well, they want they want to re response quickly. Well, response to what? All issues, important mm -hmm. issues. Give me like the five issues that are most important and you want a like, two-hour response, the rest 24, does that work? Um, are there some immediate? You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's like until you dig underneath that initial yeah. response, you're not going to get to, I want, I want, I don't want any of your frontline employees to have to do what we did at Bank of Boston, which is like, we don't know what they want. Mm. We are eager beaver to do it, but the company did not dig underneath initial response. That's why surveys don't work. You need to have interviews because you can, you have to keep asking. So tell me, so professional means, let's say it means um, being accessible. So what does that mean in this day and age? You want to text them, you want to mm. call them, you want them on Zoom, you want them in person. Um, I want to at least get a response. So texting would be fine. Okay. Um, and that's accessible. What if they can't give you what you need then? Well, if they, at least if they tell me when they can do it. So I'm not sitting here waiting and wondering, that's fine. 
even if it's mm-hmm. like the next day, but I want to hear they, they heard me and they're going to get something to me at a time deadline. Okay. So that's professional. What else? Well, they've been around a block a few times. You know, they're not newbies. Okay. So what does that mean? In business, certain amount of years mm-hmm. in this industry, does it matter? Well, they, they, they speak from experience. They don't just say, oh, I've never done that before. And I don't want to be the brand new client. So as you dig down, you'll find all these other expectations that are unspoken, which they're not going to mention because you're not asking the right questions yeah. and digging in. It's it's such it's gold what you you're sharing with us, Lynn, and it it just shows you that the communication is the glue that holds everything together, and and I also like what you brought you know to uh, attention to is into um, assessments are amazing. However, uh, supplement with with these interviews. So. How do you have a rule of thumb? Like if you do do a, an assessment, maybe do 10, 20% at least in interviews as well. What, what's your, what have you found to work? Um, well, it depends. If you look at their top 20%, they drive 80% of the okay. revenue. Is, is that a homogeneous group? Like, are mm-hmm. they similar enough? They're going to have similar responses. Usually they are. Um, so I'd say like probably 80% of the time, that's good. So I want a cross segment of those. So clients who have been with them a long time, let's say five or more years, some who have just come aboard, some who maybe left and came back, mm-hmm. um, some who maybe aren't happy. So I want a cross-section. Um, and I let them do that. They pick up. They see the questions. There's no secrets. Everything's above boards. Um, and um, so, yeah, I'd least like to get... Um, I, I like more. I So I, I at least probably... I like 20% to get... I mean, 20% of these 20%. I will know when I've focused on it because I'll hear patterns. Mm. And once I get to that and that's been affirmed, I can stop the interviewing because I know I have what I need. So usually I don't have to, I don't have to interview them all, but there are times when they're more heterogeneous than the clients thought. And so I need more re- responses. And the same thing with employees. I'll say, give me employees who you know, are not happy, who changed departments, who've been here a long time, just came, um, uh, it came back. If they're a former employer, you got them back. Um, you know, just left. Mm-hmm. I like to be employees that just left. I want, I want a variety. I, you know, I want as varied. And if you can throw culture in there, ethnicity, you know, religion, race, whatever you want to throw in, the more diverse, the better, mm-hmm. uh, by far. And um, so, same questions I ask employees, as I ask clients, as I ask management. They're exactly the same. And then I, I, I will come back and show them the gaps. And um, where are the gaps and what gaps are important? You know, in my book, whatever the clients say they want and it's important, you know, I really respect yeah. managers and people who own the company and that. But if your perceptions are off yeah, and that because sure. you're not mm-hmm. dealing with clients all the time, um, they for me, they rule. And <laughs> I've never had an owner say no. They say, well, I didn't think I was that off. And it's like. Everybody in that situation is off. I mean, it's yeah. not personal. It's just the more removed <clears throat> remove from a client you are, you don't uh, speak with them every day. Yeah. So I like that, Lynn. Uh, I like what you're saying in terms of same questions and these three different mm-hmm. groups because you're going to see these discrepancies. And, and like you say, how far off are you? Brilliant. Mm-hmm. I mean, the insights you glean from that must be just incredible. Um, so, Lynn... <laughs> On the Game Changer show, we call it, we talk about whiz bombs. 
Mm -hmm. I'd love you to, to share a powerful success insight that would be of value to our listeners, please. Um, well, I'll tell, I'll tell two stories. Um, the first is about Tom Peters, who I um, highly respect, and I've seen him in person a few times. And one time, um, many years ago, he's, he said, you know, you know what the problem is with corporate America? He says, if you go to work the same way every day, and you go to lunch with the same people, and you go home the same way, and eat more or less the same meals, either at home or restaurants, and then the weekends, you more or less repeat the same thing with the same people and the same restaurants and the same movie theaters. Where the heck are you supposed to get new ideas? <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, that's called line flash of the obvious. <laughs> so he said, when I go to the airport, I pick up magazines I know nothing about. You all pick up magazines you know something about. And you reinforce the same ideas over and over. He said, also the problem with corporate America, it has it's white men who went to the same business schools, had the same professors and the same textbooks, you know. You need new ideas. The way to do it, do things uncomfortable. You know, go a different route to work. Eat with different people. Eat with your left hand and your right hand. Mix it up. And I took that from Tom Peters. Mm -hmm. And I do at least two things uncomfortable every day. But I've been doing these for 30 years. And my friend Scott Joan, the inventor of voicemail, he does 10 things uncomfortable every day. Wow. And he gets, he gets a new patent every two years based on is it comfortable. So what happens when you're uncomfortable? I think if you are not uncomfortable in your job, you are not growing, okay? You are falling behind because you need to be on the leading edge of whatever your business is doing and your skill set. And because everything is changing, you know, we're in the VUCA times with the volatile, uncertain, um, uh, complex or, or complicated and uh, ambiguous. And so we don't, there's too many variables that are out of our control. So to be able to be flexible and, and to be able to um, a pivot is really important. So I think, you know, that's one is do purposely do things uncomfortable. And if it's eating with, you know, a different hand, that's, you know, pretty simple. But think of wacky things. I mean, just wacky. You know, if it's like I had a friend of mine driving around, I was just sticking my head out the window different ways and just feeling what it felt like. You know, <laughs> don't know. But what it is, when I walk down the street with my friend Scott, he will see things, hear things, and notice things I don't even see. Mm -hmm. Because his, his experiences, let's say he's had 20 million experiences. And let's say the average person's had 10 million, just because they don't do uncomfortable things. Mm -hmm. He just has a bigger array of experiences inside that can pop up and help him put things together. Mm -hmm. You know, I was at a restaurant with him, and he, we both had this, um, I think it was like a, um, some... Uh, barley soup and he said Lynn put your tongue at the top of your mouth and go after you swallow it I said why he goes just do it and I said yeah there's coconut in there he goes yeah see ah <laughs> so I mean it's just the more you can mix up the more uncomfortable you can be I mean I think uncomfortable is the new norm so the big thing is I like I have a client of mine out in LA and they went if if someday they're not comfortable they're going to fire the CEO because he's not out there he's not out there you know, life happens on the skinny branches, yes. not hugging the trunk. I like the it. You know, <laughs> that's where the fruit grows out. That's where it expands. And you're going to fall down once in a while. You know, the branch will break. Okay, you pick the wrong branch. Have your feelings. Brush yourself off and go back up in the tree. Pick another branch. You know, it's... Um, <laughs> 
So oh, um, it's fantastic, so that, Lynn. Fantastic. I mean, there's, you've given us like already 10 whiz bombs in there. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell one other story that demonstrates the level of caring that I talk about. Mm-hmm. So I was leaving um, Charlotte, North Carolina on a, a flight uh, back to Boston. And it was an early morning flight. And the guy next to me asked me what I did. And I told him, he said, I got a great story for you. And he said, last night I was at my wife's boss's Christmas party. And we were forecasted this morning to get ice. And we don't know how to drive an ice. And I was telling him that I was going to drive myself to the airport. And he said, no, you're not. He said, you mean too much to that woman and those kids? He goes, my chauffeur's going to pick you up. We don't know how to drive an ice. And he said to me, he goes, my wife cannot quit that company ever. I mean, that says it. You know, we don't all have chauffeurs to, to you know, to be able to disperse and, and, and help, but we can, we can help in little ways or even big ways. But, and, and the most powerful thing is the employee has to know you really care. And if you can care about them and their family, you'll have them hooked for like forever. Because as that man said, I'm sure his wife has never left that company. That is so powerful. I still get goosebumps when I think about that. It's like, <laughs> you're not going. We don't know how to drive an ice. And it's true, they don't. They have ice like maybe once, once mm. every two or three years. You know, so um, he spoke volumes very simply. No, mm. you're not doing that. And the reason you're too valuable to that woman and your two children. That's incredible. Yeah, sure. That, that one always gets me. Powerful stories, Lynn. Wow. Then sh- let's look a little bit into the future. What do you think is the scariest and, and most exciting disruptions coming up? Well, I think the workplace for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's permanently been disrupted uh, for employees, employers, and the workplace itself. Like, what's the workplace of the future? Mm-hmm. It's anybody's guess. And there's, there'll be many exactly. workplaces. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to um, create teams, functional teams, if it's hybrid, et cetera, I think that'll be challenging. Um, and also fun to do. I mean, give people, if you want people to come in the office, give them reason to come in. You know, give them food. Food always brings people in. <laughs> Have them bring, you know, catered lunches, catered breakfasts, whatever, you know, if you need them to be in the office. Um, I think permanently we're going to buy much more online. So mm-hmm. if there's, um, I think restaurants, retail um, are, will be definitely hurt by that. Um, and I think, you know, many companies are assuming their client needs have stayed the same. Um, they haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have your clients interviewed, if it's myself, somebody else, whatever, but just like your employees have are different because of COVID, your clients are different. And I think many companies are gonna make the assumption that they need the same as before. So if they really like ABC, we'll give them ABC. I think it's a little too risky with your top clients because mm-hmm. somebody else, your competitors will figure out their needs have changed also because all of our needs have changed in different ways. So I think that could be a big miss for a lot of companies. And as employees leave, clients will sometimes follow. So keep those employees. Many will, they'll, they'll follow the people. And um, I've interviewed a lot of former clients and um, they will, why did you leave? Oh, because, you know, um, Mary left and mm-hmm. we're loyal to Mary. Now, my, in my book, Mary did not represent the agency or the company mm-hmm. um, well enough because it shouldn't have been about her but if it's about her and then for some former customers and I, and I interviewed a few, one gentleman sticks in my mind when I said, what could they do to get you back? He said, call me. I haven't heard from you. Wow. 
And, you know, the grass mm -hmm. is not always greener on the other side. Yes. Your former customers want to save face. They're not going to come back crawling and begging. You know, and this particular person did not, he's, I'm not going to call him. He left. I'm like, put your ego aside. $125,000 a year. Call. No, <laughs> I'm standing there. Call. You know, it's like, no, I don't want to call him. It's like, oh my God, will you please just let, it's not ego. Okay. He left. He's not happy where he is. He just wants you to call and he'll come back. Okay. Sure. So, so Lena, that's a pool you've just handed out. 36% of people quit their jobs. 36% of people out there may not have got other things or, or gone into entrepreneurship. So any, any employer looking for good people or even current employees, like you say, phone up those people that have left you. Right. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely. Wow. You know, for them to come back, um, it's a really good, and you listen to them and ask why did they quit, and you're able to change those circumstances or whatever, have them come back. Um, and the same thing with former clients. I don't know why salespeople don't call up former clients. They're twice as likely yes. to come back as a brand new yes. client. Exactly. But, you know, sort of like our habits, you know, we, our habits create us as opposed to thinking, well, mm. how do I just plug up the bucket that's leaking customers and I'll have more customers? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <So. laughs> like, don't be trying to sell it real quickly because that's real expensive. Plug up the holes. I love your thinking, Lynn. <laughs> so, Lynn, if if you could give your your best advice to employers right now in in this really turbulent decade, or not, not even let's not even look at the decade ahead, right now, what would your advice be to start and stop right now in this? realm of retention and engagement um i'd go back to interviewing your top clients okay that's the start i think that mm -hmm. because if they're 80 percent of your revenue now and they're going to be 80 percent of the sources of referrals with for the next five years they're vitally important the lifetime value of them is um is enormous of referrals cross sales positive worth about advertising um uh, being on, being helping you with issues of problem pro, uh, problems of the company, um, so um, to focus on to really focus on making sure you're delighting and that they're they're fiercely loyal. Um, so that I think is what that's what I, I'm concerned a lot of people um, will miss. Um, I'm trying to think. What was the other thing you said? Um, the stop. Uh, what, what what needs stop. to stop? Mm. Well, I think something to start is. Every day, every employee needs to have an innovative idea. You know, innovation has been sort of parceled out to certain creative types or people who come up with it. No, everybody's creative. You know, come up with 20 solutions. You'll, you, you won't like me. You know, it'll annoy you. Fine. Just force yourself. You'll do it and you'll be amazed. And yes. I said, my Bank of Boston do this. And he said before, he goes, listen, I'm not creative. I've never been creative. I'm not going to be creative. I said, that's fine. If after this, you don't feel creative, that's fine. He kept me, he goes, I am really creative. I never knew that. He said, it's unbelievable. Well, I, you want to hear what I came up with? Look at these. And I was like. That's fantastic. And, and it was great. You know, and he was, he was an older man. And, you know, he was he's like, gosh, this is like really mind blowing. I didn't think I had it. You know, so um, I think, I don't think you stop that because some people say, well, that's not my job. No, your job is always to find ways to improve the company. Yes. All areas of the company, which you come up with, especially your own area, but you all, we also have perceptions of what's happening in other areas we mm -hmm. hear about it. So 
that I don't think should ever stop. It's there's too much pressure on the people who are supposed to come up with new innovative yeah. ideas or products or services or revenue streams. It's like we need we need to sort of open up the pipeline and just get lots of wonderful um, innovative ideas. And yes. innovation for me is anything that is different from the way it is now. It doesn't have to be you know, radically different, but it it's a departure. It's a different way of looking at it. And um, I've done this with companies, and that's the expectation. Every day they've got to you know, um, send an email to their manager with their idea on it. And once they get in the habit of doing it, and that's the expectation, like most of us, when we start doing it, we'll do it. We'll, we'll, we'll get a little upset. We'll get a little annoyed. We'll be a little resentful, blah, blah, blah. We'll get over that. We're adults and move on. So I, I think if COVID's shown us anything, um, having multiple options and multiple yes. solutions is really important. And the best way to do that is to, is to start with really um, innovative ideas you've not tapped into before. Mm. So that I would start and probably not stop unless if you um, feel it's draining your employees. But usually, usually their innovative ideas give them more energy than mm. um, drains them. Yes. Is there anything that is getting employers into um, more difficulty um, than they need right now and that they, they should look at stopping? Um, I'd say anything around their mental health, since um, a third of people have said over COVID for the first time they had um, the words mental health issues or psychological issues. And if somehow the work they're doing the people they're interacting with is contributing to that or how they need to work, um, work with them, you know, um, allow them the time because I think for most people to even say the word mental health or psychological yeah. is like, is like verboten at work, but open up the place and make it safe. So they could say, you know what, I'm really depressed or, um, you know, a lot of people have grief and sadness. No, yes. They, they want to go back. And I'll say, what are you going back? To? There's no going back. Mm. And, you know, I'm tearing up a little bit now. And people say, what do you mean? We can't go back. And I said, what's it going back to? Yeah. You know, it's the world isn't that way. So there's a way you need to grieve that on some level. Mm. Know that there's loss. You know, And when you go back, not all the employees, whatever going back looks like, the same ones will be there. If you go actually into office, the security person may be different, the cafeteria people, I mean, all mm. sort of those peripheral people you'd run into, it's all change. And that's a lot for us when we've all changed. So we've changed, everyone's changed. And people, some people won't be there, some new people will be there. So it's a process. People, someone said, you know, just let them snap out of it. It's like, snap out of what? I mean, mm -hmm. there's nothing to snap out of it. It took us a while to get into COVID. It, I mean, it took me a while to really realize how severe it was. I mean, they're saying two months lockdown will be over this. That was the best estimate. and. Um, we're still here. So have it be a process and check in. But if someone is burnt out um, and, um, and needs time off, give them time off. If you can afford, um, and I probably your top employees, send them and their family, you know, on a long weekend or a long week away, wherever. Um, let them rejuvenate. You know, people have just said, I'm just down to my bone. I have nothing left to give. And so you have, you're working with skeletons. I mean, mm. you don't want anybody to feel like that. Mm. Um, but people aren't going to speak up, you know, and if you have meetings still on Zoom, the first thing you do is check in. How are you doing? And start with who's ever most senior person. And if you're mm. doing great, wonderful. Um, 
And if you'd speak about in the past week, which you found challenging to open it up, that it's okay that we're not all perfect because we're not. Um, and really listen to what people say and be curious. What can you do to help? If they, if, if they ask for help or say, what can I do to help? They may not want to say in front of other people, but um, to say, you know, I'll hook up with you later. You know, I'm, I'm interested in um, talking about what can do to help you with that because that sounds like it's, it's too much for you at this moment to be able to handle mm -hmm. it alone. So we'll have a conversation. Move on to the next person. But there's no um, shaming. There's no blaming. There's nobody who's broken. There's nobody who's wrong. You know, we never, ever, ever have been through something like this. Yes. And for as long as it is. And, you know, it's like time has slowed down. I mean, you know, I, um, I had a birthday last April. And I thought I turned that age a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, a year ago. And I'm looking at him like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> it feels like a year and a half since April. It's like, whoa. So there's something, you know, I don't know what it is, but it's like slowed down. And the other thing I'll say is I find by slowing myself down and I grew up outside New York City and I come from a fast speaking family. So I've been slowing myself down for years. I get more done, the, the, more, the slower I go. Um, because if I if I go if I go too fast, I sometimes will not be as connected to my body. Mm -hmm. um, so when I find myself sort of racing, it's like Lynn, slow down. <laughs> um, and that has been really profound for me to feel all my feelings, to yes. feel what's going on in my body, my heart, my brain, my soul, whatever you want to say, my whole being. Because I want I want people to bring their whole beings to work, every part of them healthily to work, to offer you everything, but. Unless they can do all that, you're not working with full people. So you're not going to get that 100% engagement. And there's no magic button. There's no magic solution. I'll just say it's it's complicated. And it's complicated for yeah. each person. Um, and um, I just hope you've, you've been having these conversations. And please continue, just even if you're, quote, back to work, and everyone's still remote or hybrid, continue having these conversations, how people are doing. Because I'm not seeing much change that people are doing much better now than they were two months ago, 12 months ago. Mm. It's just, they're sort of slogging along. Yeah, that would be such a shame, um, Lynn, because we've got, like you're saying, and, and, and I love the, the rawness and the realness that you've brought. Thank you. You've got so much amazing heart and the passion you have for employees and and the your clients and 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 customers. It's, it's just, it's amazing. And it, is, it would be a shame if we don't learn from this experience because you refer to it as extreme humanism. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and that's what you've been speaking about for the last hour. In, in my first series of, of this show, um, I spoke about bringing humanity back to business and you mm. speak about extreme humanism. And that's what we need. That's what you're speaking about. That's, it's just like, let's just go back to being totally human, more human yes. than we've ever been before. Agreed. And absolutely. We're craving that. We, we, we're all craving that. And uh, we're, we're craving, I mean, there's, there's disconnects all around. Yes, you know, there were disconnects yes. before COVID with, you know, some employees not being that engaged with what management perceives to be important, with clients, with employees. You throw COVID in and everything's sort of thrown up and how it's coming down, it's still coming down. So I think it's, if you take care of your employees, the simplest mm. thing and you really take care of them like a gentleman you know with the, with the christmas party mm. yes 
I have seen employees drive through hurricanes and blizzards to get to work to take care of clients because their manager or the owner or whomever is in charge says, I have your back. You do what's ever necessary. I trust you. I will, I will, I will be there for you. And whatever you need to stay at the top of your game, you tell me and I'll, I'll give you what you, what you need. Mm. So if you empower people and you trust them and get the obstacles out of the way, they will do things that you never thought possible yeah. in your company. But the first sign of you're not trusting them, not believing in them, they'll pull back. Mm. And so they have to be trained well because they have to do things well. They may make a mistake, but what's a mistake versus what's an egregious error and how to respond mm. to those and keep moving forward. If everyone's moving forward, you know, you're creating the future as opposed to sort of hanging back and like, well, let's just see how things go. There's nothing to see. This is what we are now. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be that much different, you know, two months, six months, mm-hmm. hopefully a year from now it will be. But, you know, we've got a time, at least here, you know, a time going on mm-hmm. where not much is going to change. There's nothing to wait for. Make your plans and keep them fluid and flexible and move forward. And um, and let them know, you know, these are this is this is fluid. You know, I had some companies where they wanted half the people back in the office, you know, the salespeople and some mm-hmm. customer service people. And then they said, you know, it's not working for them to come in every day. So they're going to be there twice a week. And uh, during those two days, if other people wanted to come in, that would be great. So to just, just meet people, connect, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was wonderful. And they changed the whole uh, lobby where they put it um so there were uh, couches and glass tables that come up with the computers on and sockets. So they just hang out there and chat. They give them all their food. People, everybody was coming in. It was like, oh, oh wow. it's like a party. Make it <laughs> be a party. People are hungry for connection. Yes. People are hungry to see humans again, to be able to you know, touch them on some point and not be afraid we're going to get some horrible disease from them or, or that. And, you know, if they're disconnected from each other, their fellow employees, they're disconnected from the company, disconnected mm-hmm. from owners or, or shareholders or their values why come back why go back I mean, yeah you know so give them a reason to come back to your company and to come into work if that's part of what you want but let them know it's fluid you're open to their feedback mm. and make that part of meetings how's how's this working out for everybody is it mm. a good is it flexible enough you know they don't want to be told where they have to work and the hours they have to work yes. if they can get the job done you know millennials can usually get done in in four to six hours, or most other people can get done in eight or more hours. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're incredibly efficient and productive. They can leave. Yeah, you know? why not? Why sit around? Right. Why sit around? A third of them have 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 another job on the side. I mean, they're business of their own, a third. So, oh. you know. And that's okay. Me, it's it's just, perfect. just let it be. Let it be. Let it be. It's, yes. it's not a threat. They're, no. they're exploring something else. If it's better it's for them and you give them a launching pad where they can go off, they'll be indebted to you forever. I mean, yeah. you know, people say, well, we don't want to train them because they'll leave. If they leave, you get positive word of mouth advertising for life. If you yes. don't, if you don't invest in them, then you wind up with, you know, not, not talented, frustrated, mm-hmm. insecure. Not confident employees. I mean, you don't want those. Nah, absolutely. You know, they're, they're not going to take you. They're not going to make your company be stellar and fantastic and be like a leading brand. I mean, you know, be excellent. You be the best. You go for the gold <laughs> standard. That's what's exciting. That's what's jazzy. That's what's fun. You know, coming in, coming in second is not fun. I mean, no, for sure not. <laughs> it's like you want to be the best. 
Oh, and, and little, everything that you're speaking about, I mean, it's actually quite simple because right now in the world that we're in, yes, there is so many bling and amazing and metaverses even coming up onto the horizon. But actually what people want is the human stuff. They want the connection. They want the communication. So to be stellar right now is not even that difficult. We've just actually got to just open up do you go the extra mile to just listen and like you keep saying, well, ask the question, keep quiet. <laughs> Deeply listen. listen. Yes. Deeply yeah. listen. Deeply listen. And, and also I know a lot of um, owners of businesses are selling. Um, and the key reason is what I've been told by many people in um, mergers and acquisitions is um, they can't take any more people problems, especially the turnover. Sure. And so if, if that's an issue, Call me. I can yes. probably in two or three months coach you into being a really, really good leader. There we, we go. all need leaders. We Absolutely. all need leaders. And you can be a leader. I don't care. You know, I've dealt with people who are extremely introverted, extremely intelligent, have no social skills. And they are, if you're coachable and you want to, you know, it has to be, you have to want to. Um, I can help you do that. And if you want to sell, you can sell. But um, when I heard that, I was like, really? I mean, there's resources out there. It's like, no, they're just tired. Yeah, and yeah the millennials are, are, can be difficult, but you know what? They're the future. They are. And also so, Gen Z is 75% of the workforce in, in 2030. You know, they're the future. And, um, you know, we, we can't hold them back. We, they're not going to come into yeah. our generation or whatever. Just let them, let them run. No. They want you to win. Exactly. And, and, and they've got such a beautiful ethos and they can work faster. So why wouldn't you want to learn how to embrace it? Lynn, this has been just, you've packed in so many incredible nuggets of gold, game changer gold, as I call it. Is there one final something you want to share? Always um, aim higher than you think you can do. You know, whatever your goals are, go higher. Because I think we underestimate, I know most people, and I'll put myself in that until I realized this, um, I, could, I could be more than I ever thought I could be. And um, as a tax attorney, I never thought I could be a consultant. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it was like, I was fine being a tax attorney. So you don't know where you're going or what you can be. So, um, you know, um, shoot high, shoot far. And if you don't get there, you'll be among the stars. You know, yeah. it's like, um, you know, if you shoot for the moon, it's okay. But don't don't shoot for something that's comfortable. Don't yeah. shoot for something like like I'm eighty percent sure I get get it. You want something like you're sixty percent sure. You know, it's a real yeah. stretch. You're gonna have to stretch. You're gonna be a little uncomfortable. That's okay. Babies when they start walking, they're not comfortable. They always get up. They don't mm -hmm. fall down. So they can forget it. I'm not. I guess I'm a crawler. Some people walkers, I'm a crawler. Okay, I'm gonna crawl. I fell, forget it. That's what our students do. We, we do a computer program, we try it a few times. I'm not good at this. It's like, uh, come on, practice, practice. And so when you do something new, you're not gonna be real good at it usually, but you will over time. You're like if if you haven't driven a lot, um, like during COVID, getting back in the car, getting back on the subway or something's gonna be it's gonna be wow, it's really different. I had a gentleman who told me um a kind that. And he, he teaches people how to um, uh, network. Mm -hmm. And he went for his first in-person network with all people he knew. And he felt shy. He said, mm -hmm. I couldn't believe it. Wow. After 18 months, 
These are people I know. I teach this. And I felt shy. And I felt hmm. I didn't want to connect as much. And he said the third, second or third time it was okay. He goes, but I was stunned that 18. So we're a little rusty with social skills. Yes. If you feel uncomfortable, it's okay. Everyone's going to be uncomfortable because we're doing new things. So just the new normal is being uncomfortable. And yes. um, it's okay. And give yourself that permission. And just like take deep breaths that burns off the adrenaline, which starts rushing when we get uncomfortable. And that's, it, it's all going to be okay. I, I assure you, I, I'm, not, I'm not a clairvoyant, but you will lend well. Um, we will all lend well. We just have to be willing to ride it out. And it's, it'll be an uncomfortable ride, unfamiliar, but mm-hmm. um, hang on there, hang in there, uh, ask for guidance to help if you need it. And, um, you know, but, but shoot high. Yeah. Thank you, Lynn. And, yeah. and how can we get hold of you? What's the best way? Uh, sure. Um, LinkedIn probably is the easiest. Um, uh, my name, Lynn Thomas, O-I-N-N. And, um, and my email is my name, Lynn Thomas, one word, at Thomas Consulting. And at the end of consulting is wins, W-I-N-S. Okay, of mine said, I always win with you. So why don't you put wins at the end? And Thomas <laughs> Consulting wasn't available. I said, okay, I'll do that. So, I love um, that. And I will have it in the show notes as well. Awesome. Lynn, this has been fantastic. Um, you're just a, a big bundle of joy, jazzed up stuff, lots of amazing insights. And um, thank you. Thank you for bringing so much heart and soul into everything that you do. Thank, thanks for having me, Carmen. It's been really delightful. It's an absolute pleasure, Lynn. And, and to our Game Changer family, thank you for being here with us today. Um, let's get jazzed up and, and like Lynn has said, right through this, the, the secret is really just its connection, its communication, it's just listening to each other and finding out what the needs are. And with, with, uh, by winning together, we absolutely can go to the moon. So until next time, um, connect, love each other, and I wish you the wildest success. Thank you.